what a powerful morning. Oh my goodness, who needs coffee? We have Tracy come up here and clean everybody's clock. If you came in here whining about anything, did you not have your attitude fully adjusted by the time she was done? And then they come and sing and remind us, hey, you bunch of spoiled girls, you owe him everything. Oh my goodness. So now we can just say amen and go home. I mean, oh, it's just, oh, I have, I have loved it. Well, we are at the last lesson, and I, I'm just, my heart is so full. What, a, what an excellent conference. Where'd you go a little bit? Where's, where's, where's Nolita? Where'd she go? She went that away? Well, that was fast. I was just talking to her a second ago. Well, where's Noel? There, okay, good. And where's, where's Celeste? Where are the gravelies when you need them? <laughs> okay. I just love you all, and I just wanted to say thank you so much. And when Mama comes back in here, she'll hear me say thank you again. But I, I have rarely seen such beautiful hospitality. There's something different about hospitality in the South. You all know it, don't you? You know you've got it nailed down, too, don't you? It's just your deal. I, I just have loved being here, and thank you all for making me feel like I'm at a great big family reunion, because that is exactly what it's felt like. And I also want to thank you for coming back and completely blowing up the book table. There's nothing left there, and I cannot thank you enough for buying the books. I wanted you to know what happens to the proceeds, though. The proceeds, when you buy the books, the proceeds go to Keep the Heart. And Keep the Heart is the ministry that the Lord allowed my husband and I to start in 2012 so that we could produce godly Christian materials for Christian women. And we heard multiple times in conferences, we wish you had that in writing, we wish you had that in writing, we wish, and we still hear it, and we still try our best each year to come out with another project that will provide materials that are sound in, in biblical premise and that are King James because again, now the bookstores have moved away from that. And we heard you when you said that. One of the things that was repeated so often in the survey that we ran, asking what you were looking for, is could you please give us King James materials? We heard you. So now I'm going to ask you to do me a favor. This Bible study that we came out with, when I was helping Abeka Joyful Life create it, I told them, I said, I'm positive and they're with this anyway. They're, they're King James on all their materials. But I said, I'm positive that they want this to be King James, but I also am positive that they're going to want it to be evangelistic. And so when you have someone come to your Bible study, I think you're going to be delighted to find that when they open up the cover, the gospel is clearly present, present, presented in the inside, the first thing. We put the first thing first. So that means that a person that's leading this Bible study can take anyone in their group, especially if you look around your Bible study and you see someone that's new, you can say to everyone in the room, now open to your inside cover. I just want to briefly touch on a reminder here. And you can go right into the gospel. And the person at your Bible study will think it's part of the study. It's a beautiful thing done by design. We wanted the gospel to not be forgotten in the process of studying the Bible. We don't want to forget what the Bible's all about, right? So here's the favor I'm going to ask you to do. Stop by the book table. The only thing left are these sheets, <laughs> but they're free. So take one home, especially if you're a pastor's wife. Take it back to your church. Show it to your husband. Pray about it, and then get in touch with us at Joyful Life. You can just go right to the website. They're already on there, but actually I'm sneaking this out early. The website's not through being constructed, so under construction, pardon the mess, You'll have to click and scroll down to find these because they haven't finished constructing the page yet because it just came off the press before I left town. I said, I can't wait for y'all to finish that. I got to take these now. And so you're going to be one of the first ones when you contact them to get these materials. I wanted to just mention that one more time. And then I want the, one of the young ladies, could you come up here and be my helper? Whichever one of you. Aren't these girls cute? 
I know. And they just took over the front row. I just think that's so good. I want you to find Miss Gravely. You might have to run all over the place. But you find her and you take those to her, okay? Okay, sweet pea. All right, good. Those are her gifts from Joyful Life. And we are so grateful for you all supporting ministries that are trying to support having sound doctrine still in Scripture. Visit our website. It's on the bottom of your handout, keeptheheart.com. And you'll see a blog on there, the shop. And if we ran out of the book you wanted, it's still at the same price on the website in the shop, plus a tiny bit of shipping. And so I wanted you to know that. And then I wanted to make sure that I mentioned to you, if you have been staying in a hotel and you forgot to leave a tip and a track, when we have these kind of big events and we often are staying in hotels, Here's something that's actually really awesome to do. You can say, oh, you go back to the hotel and say, I forgot to leave this for my room cleaner. And you put it in an envelope that says room cleaner, and you put the tip and the tract in there. Now, you might be thinking to yourself, what if they don't give it to the room cleaner? That's God's deal. We'll let the Lord take care of that. Honest people will give it to the room cleaner. Dishonest people will take it, but they'll still get the tract. The goal is let's get the gospel out. Let's sow the seed as many places as possible, anywhere, everywhere you could go. And make it generous because you know like I know, service people don't make very much. They work really hard. In fact, they work harder than many CEOs. But they're cleaning rooms and making beds and cleaning toilets and wiping down sinks and mirrors and they get just a pittance, just a tiny bit. So you can't over tip. If the Lord has blessed you and you can leave $20 that you would have maybe spent somewhere else, leave them a 20. If you can't do that, leave a 10. If you can't do that, leave what it costs to eat at Subway. But leave a reasonable tip is what I'm saying. Because we want to get the gospel out and we want to be effective witnesses every and anywhere we go. I'll probably say more about that later. But let's go ahead and open up in a word of prayer and go into this closing lesson, the territory of the mind. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we're so grateful to be here. You're so good to us. And what we've heard already today, truly, Lord, really could wrap up the conference right here. But it's your will we have one more lesson. And so I ask you, Lord, in Jesus' holy name, that you would fill each one of us again with your Holy Spirit power to remain completely yielded to you. And Lord, not just now, but for the rest of our days, anytime we catch ourselves resisting you, Please help us to confess, repent, and forsake any stubborn behavior so that we remain completely yielded to you and your Holy Spirit. I pray that you'd bless as we study together this lesson on the territory of the mind. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, when I am teaching this at a place that uses slides, one of the things I often have done is I've had them put a picture of my family up on the screen because you know how it is when you're meeting someone and you've spent maybe a couple of days with them but you don't know their backstory. And in my case, that means you, you've never seen my family. So I can talk about Austin, the oldest, and his wife, Jessica, and I can talk about Hillary, the middle child, and I can talk about Colin, the baby, but you've never seen them. And so I really love popping a picture. Maybe I'll get to do that next time because I've already heard from Nolita there'll be a next time. So I'm grateful for that. But maybe one of these times I'll get to show you my family. But probably one of the most startling things is that there was a picture taken in June 2017 of our family. We did a family photo shoot with one of the young ladies from our church. And I said to her, Norman has been diagnosed with cancer. I want us to get a family photo now before they start doing things to him because I have a feeling he'll never look the same. He was healthy and strong, had a few extra pounds on him, you know, good stock. And I was so excited about this family photo shoot, but I also knew that it would be bittersweet because we were gonna be facing the unknown. When they told Norman that the reason why his bones hurt, which is what he was saying after he and I went and ran a 5K to raise money for Ronald McDonald House, we're not athletes, by the way. So no delusions here. We're just a couple of people who our daughter said, hey, do you want to do this race? And we said, sure. And afterwards we said, why? <laughs> what do you think you're doing? And so I started training for it because I thought, girl, you're so out of shape. 
you'll wheeze and cough out a lung at the starting gate. So I, I started training for it. My husband did not want to train. He said, ah, oh, it'll be okay. It's only three miles. 5K is only three miles. I said, no, honey, uh-uh. We need to train. Ah, oh, it's okay. It's only three miles. Then, like, about a week before the race, he decided he'd start maybe putting a little effort on the treadmill, but he wasn't really serious about it. And I thought, this is just amazing. We, no, we shouldn't, you shouldn't do warrior-type exercises without some training. So we came to the race day. We ran the race. When they shot the, the gun for the starting gate, he took off like a jackrabbit and left me all in the back. He came in ninth place for his age group, and he didn't even train. I trained like a fiend, and I came in 181st. <laughs> It's not funny. <laughs> I was so toasted by that. I thought, what is this? But after the race, I was sore and a little bit stiff and kind of crunkly feeling. But he kept saying, my bones hurt. My bones hurt. And that's how his cancer was discovered. In fact, the doctor said, it's probably the best thing in the world that you all went and ran that race because I don't know how long it would have taken for us to discover how sick he is. And the process of all that activity actually really stirred up some symptoms that were prior to that. They were kind of just beneath the surface. Don't ignore pain, by the way. If you have an unusual pain and it doesn't feel like normal, don't ignore that. Please have it checked because you really do need someone to rule some things out. And don't be afraid. My husband just boldly went to the doctor. Now he hurt really bad, but I didn't have to drag him because he hurt bad, so he knew we needed to go. And it, it really helped that he hurt bad because sometimes men don't want to go to the doctor, don't they? Can't they be stubborn about that? He was hurting bad enough where I didn't have to really coerce him to get there. But it, that's how that cancer was discovered, and, and it wasn't just one cancer. It was renal cell carcinoma, which is kidney cancer, and multiple myeloma, which is bone cancer. So here's this man who just got done running a 5K, looks like a picture of health, and he's full of cancer. And when cancer gets into the kidney, let alone the bones, it's like it's got its own information superhighway now. It's just racing through the body. It was showing up on the scan in parts of his body where there shouldn't have even been any cancer. So it was rapidly taking over. We got the diagnosis at the end of April 2017. And by September of 2017, he went home to be with the Lord. And that was the beginning of the battle for the territory of my mind. Because prior to that, we had had trials, we had had adversity, we'd had affliction, and we'd had them in a rotation like life is. Reality is there's always going to be something in your life, always. And, and it really, our perspective of these things, Tracy has the biblical perspective of these things. It says in Psalm 119, verse 71, it is good for me that I have been afflicted, that I might learn thy statutes. There's things that Tracy learned. Am I, am I saying your first name right? That she learned that are PhD level lessons in the, in the spiritual life that would have been impossible to learn in just the happy-go-lucky stage. All of us like the comfortable life, but that's not where the learning is. So a lot of times what we're saying when we're being fearful about having hard times in life, we're saying, I don't want to grow. We don't really mean that, do we? The best place that anybody can get in preparation for trials in life is get in the position of trust. Because you're going to need God like you've never needed him before when your life is turned down a totally different path than you thought. I have another lesson that I've taught for years in a row, and I may teach it when I come back, and it's called, That Was Not in the Planner. <laughs> that was not in the planner. And there's things that happen like this in life. But here's what the enemy likes to do when something happens in our lives. He likes to start messing with our minds. He really likes to attack the mind of a woman 
When the Bible called us weaker vessel, that was not an insult. It was just a description. Let's be accurate. I'm not insulted when somebody tells me the numbers of my blood pressure. They're just telling me something accurate. We have got to look at scripture and understand that God's being very accurate. And so here's the enemy who's fully aware of that descriptive. And he comes after us. And if we've got our guard down, the city broken down without walls that we talked about yesterday, if we're not careful, he can set up strongholds in our mind. We don't want to leave doors open for the enemy. We don't want to do that. And so this area, the territory of the mind, it's so important that God have our mind. It's so important. We can't pray away our problems, but we can pray for God to help us with the territory of our minds. And so in this closing lesson, we're going to cover just four ways that we can pray for God to help us with this very important area. Turning your Bibles to Romans 8.6. And we're going to read it together just like we did before. And you're going to feel like this is a short lesson, but it is on purpose because it's the last lesson. And at the end of a, a, of a conference, everybody's tired and needs to go home. So it is going to be a brief lesson by design. Four points very briefly covered, but hopefully it'll give you some tools for your toolbox. So let's read Romans 8, 6 together. Ready? Begin. For to be carnally minded is death but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Now that phrase in scripture, carnally minded, means to be guided by our flesh apart from the divine influence of God. We're letting our flesh lead us. We're not letting God lead us. So that is what that carnally minded means. But we've got, we need to be praying for protection of our minds on a regular basis. These are just beginner prayers. You will add to this as the Lord brings additional things to your mind. Add to the prayer list of things that you're going to pray for the territory of your mind. If you're taking notes, number one, pray for a peaceful mind. Pray for a peaceful mind. And the scripture you'll see there, the references are on your sheet. So if you feel like turning ahead in scripture, you'll be able to do that. But you know I'm also going to read them anyway. We know what it says in Philippians 6. 4, 6 through 7, be careful for nothing. That's that phrase for anxious. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Every word of scripture is important. It's interesting that our hearts and minds are kept through Christ Jesus. But it's also interesting that we're, we're told to follow some directions. And, and first thing we're told is, okay, you quit all that worrying. Ah, that's a tall order for a woman. We feel like it's our duty. If we don't worry, who's going to do it? We even worry about that. But God wants us not to be that, that way. So what can we do under number one? Jot this down. Confess worries. Confess worries, because when we're confessing those worries, we're turning those worries into prayer requests. Confess those worries. We worry about all kinds of things. We worry about our health. I mean, if we, if we get a weird symptom, instead of getting a doctor's appointment, we first have a good fretful session, and then we get the doctor's appointment. You know, we worry about health. We worry about finances. Oh, there's not going to be enough money. But how many times does God have to prove himself before we'll stop worrying like that? Do you ever get impatient with yourself? I get in this girl's face so often like, tell me you're not. You are, are you, are you really going to worry? And I have to whimper sometimes like, yeah. <laughs> I was going to worry a little bit. It's in my flesh. I don't know what I'm going to do about this flesh. But honestly, sometimes I literally get impatient with Francie. Like, Francie, just last week, what did God do? Francie, no, stop. And do you know that that's the practice that God has taught me called ruling over the spirit? We worry by choice. 
So guess what? God gave us another choice. Stop it. And he's saying, choose wisely. He's setting two meals before us. Here's the meal, the junk food meal. Piles of worry. Here's what's good for you. Give it to him. He wants us to start getting wise about our choices, which then impacts our minds. You know what was really worrisome to me? After Norman left, and he had given me so many instructions before he passed away, and I would encourage all wives to have conversations with your husband about what are you supposed to do in the event he goes to heaven before you do. These are good conversations to have. Don't have it fretfully. And don't you dare go home and say, oh, Francie said I need to talk to you about when you die. <laughs> don't you go home like that. You go home like that, I'll deny I ever met you. You better not. But have a discussion at a proper time. A proper time is not on the way to church in the car. <laughs> have this discussion at some point that you've agreed on so that you understand what you're supposed to be doing. My husband spelled things out for me. Details I didn't want to hear. Who I was supposed to contact about insurance. Who I was supposed to contact about my health insurance who I was supposed to contact about changing things over into my own name. And then he told our adult son, our oldest son, now here's what I told mom. She's not going to remember any of it. <laughs> so I want you to know what I told her so that you can reinforce when I'm gone. And I mean, it was like clickety-clickety-boom. And would you believe that one day when I was digging through some piles of paper and I had a desk extension in our other home and I had an empty journal on there, I opened up the journal and there was Norm's handwriting. Still bossing me around. <laughs> I have that journal to this day because it makes me feel so loved. And he had the crookedest handwriting ever, so that makes me smile because I know where my kids got their bad penmanship from. <laughs> but you know what? Rather than worry about, Lord, how am I going to do this? I kept remembering that we had had discussions that always ended with, and you can trust God. He needed to hear me say that I believed that, because he could tell that I was fearful. Wouldn't you be? I mean, if you've spent most of your adult life as a married person, you realize, don't you, that you've probably spent more time on earth with that person than you have with anyone else other than your parents. And so this is a very unnerving thing. And so I wanted to be worried, and I wanted to be left alone about it. But he didn't like that. He was really concerned that spiritually I was going to fall apart. And so he started getting more and more concerned with me the closer he got to heaven and the closer he got to his journey home. He was getting very pointedly focused on his wife getting wobbly. And one day, I actually made him cry. Now, if you make a man cry, you've really crossed a line. I was so heartbroken to see him cry. And he was crying because I wasn't letting him go. The hospice people had talked to me, and they said, you have to tell him it's OK to go. And I said, no, I can't. That would be lying. I can't lie to him. And I had a real quandary. Tracy, I was really stumped. I genuinely wanted to do what was right, but I didn't know how. It seemed like my options were so limited. And then one day in my Bible study time, the Lord reassured me about his grace, his love, his care, his tender mercies, his goodness that doesn't ever fail, and best how he never leaves us or forsakes us, so I was never going to be alone. When the Lord got done with me, and that's just another reason why I'm such a huge, huge, huge proponent of daily Bible study, the Lord gets to you in that time. When he got done with me, I was able to go to Norman, sit down next to him on the couch and say, honey, I can't tell you that it's okay for you to go. 
but I can tell you that I know God will take care of me. His smile wrapped around his head. He had a huge smile anyway, and his kids have his smile. So whenever I need to see Norman, I just need to see one of my kids because they have his big wraparound smile. And he smiled this great big smile, and I thought, that was the right answer. I'm so good. Oh, this is good. I'm so glad I'm out of the doghouse now. But I really, really wanted to tell the truth, and that was the truth. I knew God would take care of me. Confess your worries. Pray for a peaceful mind. Number two, pray for a healthy thought life. Pray for a healthy thought life. This is a territory that's very difficult because we have to deal with our own thoughts. But there is a way that God has given us to manage this area. And this passage of scripture is, you need to read the whole chapter so you get the entire context. But so many times we are looking at this passage as a warfare area passage when it comes to the mind. And when it says in 2 Corinthians 10, 4 through 5, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal but mighty, through God to the pulling down of strongholds. We do have spiritual weapons at our disposal, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Thoughts can be brought into captivity. Thoughts can be made to obey Christ. Wayward thoughts can be brought into captivity to obey Christ. You know this, don't you? Every wrong action started with a wrong thought. So if you know someone that has fallen in immorality, it didn't just start that day. There were some thoughts that were feeding that eventual behavior. Or if you know someone that's outrageously selfish, they didn't just wake up selfish one morning. That's been building. And the training was coming through the thought life. Or if you know someone who is incredibly, incredibly bitter, that is the thought life infecting the rest of the life. It's very important to think about what you're thinking about and make sure that God would be pleased with your thoughts. It's a challenge we all face. But if you want to have any victory in your thought life, Ask yourself, would God be pleased with how I'm thinking? And if the answer is no, then confess that and yield to the Lord. And ask him to help you to have a healthy thought life. Now, part of the having a healthy thought life means we'll also have to develop healthy thoughts about ourselves. So the scripture calls us fearfully and wonderfully made. Then why do we criticize ourselves? Why do we stand in the mirror and say negative, horrible things about ourselves? Why are we so harsh with ourselves and why do we say horrible things to ourselves that we would never say to another human being? Where does that come from? Yeah, the enemy likes to mess with how we see ourselves too. No surprise, is it? He wants us constantly feeling like you're never going to be good enough. Fearfully and wonderfully made cannot be changed. And God, his mind is not going to be changed about how he sees us. So how about if we line up with how he thinks? Do you know that it'll transform how you take care of yourself? A lot of times when a woman feels horrible about herself, she doesn't think she's worth taking care of. So then she just throws it all to the wind. You don't want to do that. Don't you know that fearfully and wonderfully made means he went to all the trouble to not just give us this soul, but to give us a soul carriage. How about that? We have this body, this temporary shell. It's kind of like rental property in a way. Because <laughs> eventually we don't need it anymore. But while we have it, if we're not constantly criticizing it, maybe we'll take better care of it. Learn to see what God has given you as a genuine gift. And instead of criticizing yourself or poking at yourself or constantly telling yourself you need to go on another diet, 
How about just get with God and try this? Ask the Lord this. Lord, how would you like me to take care of myself? Have you ever asked him? You know he knows your chemistry, right? So he would know what he wants you to do. And what he wants you to do is more than likely going to be different than what your girlfriend does. Because your homegirl is a different makeup than you. And so you want to ask God, Lord, how would you like me to take care of this soul carriage? And how would you like me to view my health? And how would you like me to see myself? Lord, I want to see myself like you see me. And let the Lord adjust your thought life. Pray for a healthy thought life. Number three out of four, pray for an excellent spirit. Pray for an excellent spirit. Oh boy, he that hath knowledge spareth his words, and a man of understanding is of an excellent spirit. It's one of my favorite verses. I think it might have even come up yesterday. But just some reminders under number three. First of all, correct yourself when you have a bad attitude. If you correct yourself, somebody else doesn't have to. It's a really good idea as adults for us to remember that we're constant patterns for those who are watching our lives. You see this little row of birdies right here? When it's not ladies' conference, they're observing every adult lady. Especially the younger ones. So now, if you're in the time zone of late teenage years all the way up to 30, to these little girls, guess what? You're an old lady. And they're looking at what you do. And what you do translates into, oh, I see. When I get to be her age, then I can misbehave. If what you're doing is not right, you're training those behind you and you're passing a baton as you run in the race that says, you can do this too. We maybe don't mean to do that, but that's what our behavior says. And the same thing goes for those of us who are beyond 30. So the 30-somethings, 40-somethings, and 50-somethings are looking at the 60-somethings and 70-somethings and looking and observing our attitude. How does she handle disappointment? Oh, I see. So when I get to be 60, it's okay to have a temper tantrum. But heaven forbid you do that at 30. No, we've got to be so, so very careful about the message we send. Because for so many people, we're, we're a pattern. And do you ever have those days, Sister Nolita, do you ever have days where you feel like, don't look at me. I don't want to be. My, my youngest, my oldest son, when he was two years old, and I used to get after him and say, stop doing that. Stop playing with the electrical outlets. You're teaching your little sister to play with the electrical outlets, and they're not toys. You're going to get hurt. She's going to get hurt. Stop it. And I'd give him the rod of correction to reinforce the message. And I said, you need to be a good example. And he had that little tennis shoe on. I can remember that little foot to this day. He stomped his little foot. I don't want to be the example. <laughs> had to go get the rod again. I mean, my goodness. Stubborn little thing. What a piece of work. I don't know whose DNA that was. But you know what? I got what he was saying. We all have those, I don't want to be the example days. But we're the example. And we want it to be Christ-like. So pray for that excellent spirit. And number four, pray to have the mind of Christ. Pray to have the mind of Christ. Oh, so important what Philippians 2, turn to Philippians 2, 5 through 8, and let's look at that one together as our closing verse. Philippians 2 and verses 5 through 8 say this, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. 
What a picture. Jesus didn't have to do that, you know. He chose to do that. He did that for all of us. And he did it for all of the rest of this world. And any who will receive him. This is an amazing picture here. But it's also our example of what kind of mind that God wants us to have. He said, let this mind be in you. Look here. I want you to have this mind. And then he outlined it. He said, Christ made himself of no reputation. I want you to stop worrying so much about what people think of you. We're always trying to impress people. Stop. You're expending valuable energy that could be invested in something else. And then what else did he say? He took on, took on the form of a servant. Well, my goodness, if somebody would take out the trash in this building once in a while, it's overflowing. When you see overflowing trash cans in your church, could you take it out? Instead of waiting for the staff to do it? A servant would. We like to be served. But Christ took on himself the form of a servant. So then here's what the real question is. Do you want to be more like you? Or do you want to be more like Christ? You have to decide. And if the goal is to be more like Jesus, we saw him wash feet in Scripture. He was trying to help us get the picture. We're not here for ourselves. We're here to serve others in the name of Jesus Christ. This is our assignment. All of us have the same assignment. We're all delivery girls, every single one of us, on assignment. What else did they say? Christ humbled himself. So God said, okay, I want you to have the mind of Christ. He humbled himself. I want you to humble yourself. Humility is so unnatural for us. I'll prove it. How many of you can't stand to have somebody drive and merge in front of you? Oh, we can turn driving into a competition, can't we? It's like, no, they're not getting in front of me. <laughs> you know, we are so competitive. We're so competitive. And yet, Here's, here's God, here's his word telling us, I want you to humble yourself. I want you to pause and let that other car in. I want you not to race to the cashier because you see someone else coming, but I want you to step back and let them in. I want you to open up the fridge and see the last piece of anything and check with the family first and see, was anybody going to eat that? Okay, so now I lost half of you. <laughs> she said, she left teaching and went to meddling. We're not listening anymore. <laughs> na, 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 I can't hear. Yeah, uh-huh, yeah. Humble yourself, he said. And finally, Christ obediently suffered death of the cross. The day that... Uh, Tracy and her family had that car accident. That was a near-death experience. And only because of God's grace and the plan that he had in their lives, that's the only reason why they're still here. It was, it was not in God's plan for their lives to go to heaven that day. Otherwise, you cannot explain why they're still here. Certainly not looking as healthy as this. No explanation other than God, only God. But there was a good deal of suffering that she described in her lesson. A lot of suffering. Do you know what? Christ suffered too. But we don't want to suffer. We don't, want, we don't even want a little trial. We don't want any suffering. And we're even surprised when there's any sorrow, any pain. We're still shocked at death. But God said that there'd be these things. It's part of that fabric of life. 
When she was talking about the tapestry, my mind flew to that poem that talks about the dark threads are need needful. Don't you know that life is made up of a combination of threads that weave this fabric we live? You can't have all the threads be one color if it's a tapestry. There's not going to be any depth. There's not going to be any contrast. And we won't grow. Ladies, we can't live in the sunshine all the time. We would become spoiled, petulant toddlers. And God knows that, so every now and then, he will whip a big old cloud, and it'll feel like it's only over our house. If you've ever been to the ocean or the Gulf of Mexico, I'm sure you've seen these storms, Para, where this big old blackish cloud will come in, and it looks like just a sheet of rain coming down, and it's in one spot only. You can be standing in the sun in Florida looking at the rain. It's really strange. At first I thought, maybe I'm not on earth anymore. No, <laughs> it is a very strange land, though. Florida is a weird, weird place, all its own zip code, I'm saying. But we want to get to the point where we are trusting God with all the aspects of our mind. So you know one of the things I do for mind protection I memorize scripture, and then I will repeat that scripture to myself, especially when my mind is really in, in a mode where it's too noisy. Have you ever had noisy head syndrome, where your head is just going and going, and you wish it would be quiet? I have found that every time, the scripture can quiet my mind. And it is a really good idea to memorize passages of scripture that you can Quote to yourself and the Lord, speaking his word right back to him, and you'll be amazed at how he soothes your soul. Now, if you feel like, okay, I'm not really good at memorizing Francie, I would, I would disagree with you because I promise you, if I played a song three, four times, you'd know where all the parts are going in no time. We have to make ourselves memorize. It's exercise. It's more of that spiritual workout. But just the same. If you're struggling to quiet your mind, if you're not going to work on memory work for the time being, use an audio Bible. Turn it on and have scripture playing in your house, in your car, next to your bed. Because the Lord will use it to calm a noisy mind. I have a very favorite passage of scripture in Psalm 119. How many verses are there in Psalm 119? Who knows? How many? 176. Okay, great. I'm going to quote all 176 to you right now before we close. No, but how about a few of them? I love how it opens because it says, Blessed are the undefiled in the way who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are they that keep his testimonies and that seek him with the whole heart. They also do no iniquity. They walk in his ways. Thou hast commanded us to keep thy precepts diligently. Oh, that my ways were directed to keep thy statutes. Then shall I not be ashamed when I have respect unto all thy commandments. I will praise thee with uprightness of heart when I shall have learned thy righteous judgments. I will keep thy statutes. Oh, forsake me not utterly. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed thereto according to thy word. With my whole heart have I sought thee. Oh, let me not wander from thy commandments. Thy word have I hid in mine heart, that I might not sin against thee. Blessed art thou, O Lord. Teach me thy statutes. Psalm 119, verses 1 through 12, are such a life-altering collection of verses that have the power of God to transform you by the renewing of your mind. But his whole word has that power. You pick a passage that you believe God wants you to hide in your heart, and you keep reading it out loud to yourself over and over and over and over again, day after day after day. One day you're going to wake up and you're going to have your Bible, and you're going to open it to that passage, and you're going to look at that passage, and then you're going to close your Bible, and you're going to speak that whole passage to the Lord. Then you'll lay down one night, and you're having a particularly hard night, 
that passage will race to the forefront of your mind and you'll be speaking that scripture out loud to the Lord. And he will be using his word like a soothing balm in your soul. And he will take, I don't care what is tormenting your mind, and he can wipe it away. Only God can do that. We don't have that kind of power, but God does. Ladies, I'm encouraging you. Be in the word daily. Be in the word daily. And if you struggle with your thought life, maybe it's the spiritual habits that are part of the problem. I want to give you one challenge before we close in prayer, and it's this. If you haven't been reading your Bible daily, I want you to commit to the Lord, not to me, to read your Bible daily for the next 90 days. We're talking about the territory of the mind here. This is a serious area. For the next 90 days, I want you to read your Bible daily without missing. If you're already doing that, keep it up. If you haven't been doing it, start today. But where do I start? Here's where you start. Start small. Start with the proverb of the day. It is a system that is proven to get a person in the habit of reading their Bible every day. It's proven. I was taught to read my Bible daily by the proverb of the day system. So what's today's date? So what proverb would you read? Proverbs 14. And would you know that right away God's going to talk to the wise woman about building her house, but warning the foolish that she'll pluck it down with her hands? He opens up the day today, giving us a warning so that we will avoid the trap of being a foolish woman. When you're in the Word like that daily, do you know He keeps you from tangling up in your own shoelaces? It's a beautiful thing. It is so worth it, and it's so free. Here's what's really exciting. I get really excited about this reading Bible daily. I mean, I, I, wanna, I get that excited about it. Because you don't have to pay anything. How many Bibles do you have? I counted. I found 11 Bibles in my home, paper. And that doesn't count the three digital ones I have. Okay, so do you think that out of 14 Bibles, I could read at least one? Do you think that out of the number of Bibles you have, you could read one? I think we can. So next 90 days, you're going to read a proverb a day in repetition. When you get to the end of the month and then it's the first of the month, you're going to start all over again with Proverbs number. And then you're going to do it all again. You'll do it for 90 days. That's three months. At the end of 90 days and not one day before, at the end of 90 days, if the Lord leads you to do this, I want you to write to me and tell me what you learned from the Lord in that 90 days. It thrills me to get emails like that. I said not before 90 days, though, and that is not a free counseling service. <laughs> I just want to hear what God has done. Write to me at keeptheheart at gmail.com. That's our Keep the Heart email. If you write to us at keeptheheart at gmail.com, more than likely what I read from your note, I'm also going to read from a platform somewhere in America. Because I've been trying to encourage women to stay in the word daily. We've been getting reports from all over the country of ladies who have had major transformations in their lives because they let God have the territory of their minds. I mean, we've been hearing things we weren't even talking about. One lady wrote to us and told us that her marriage was about done. And then she started reading scripture daily. The Lord started transforming her, changing how she was interacting with her husband. And all of a sudden... No discussion of breaking up. Another lady was getting ready to leave church. She was through with Christianity. She was through with Christians. She had been treated badly by some people. And you know that's usually why a person leaves a church. Some one buddy did something wrong and it crossed their wires and now they're leaving. You know, the Lord got to her and convinced her to stay. And there's on and on and on and on stories. But I want to hear from you if you, if the Lord leads you to write but. More importantly than that, way more importantly than that, daily we need to be in the Word because every single day there's going to be something we have to face and every single day we need God. Let's close in prayer. While your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed, I just want to talk to someone who might be in the room and maybe you came with somebody 
and you don't know for sure where you would go if you died. You've never actually had a time in your life where you've asked Christ to be your Savior. And I just want you to know that the person you came with brought you on purpose. You need to take their hand and say, I don't know what would happen to me if I didn't have a heartbeat tonight. And she will be so glad to open a Bible and show you what the scripture says, how it tells us there's none righteous, no, not one. How it tells us the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. How it does tell us that God commendeth his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And one of my favorite verses that tells us, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you don't know what saved means, would you please be honest with your seatmate, whoever brought you, and tell them, I want you to tell me how I can be saved. Don't pretend on something so important as eternity. And for the rest of you, you've heard a lot of good lessons over the weekend, not, not just from me by any means, but all these teachers. And so now it's your decision time. And so someone is playing the piano some one of these wonderful sister friends that plays the piano gently. And it'll give you an opportunity to, in your spot, bow your head and pray and commit your way unto the Lord and let him establish your thoughts. Or if you want to use the altar, you'll be able to come to the altar and ask the Lord to hear your commitment as you yield to him at this time. I'm going to pray and then the altar will be open. Heavenly Father, thank you for the conference time this weekend. We're just so helpless without you. Lord, would you please help each one of us to not just go to conferences to collect information, but help us to go to conferences so that we will walk out of here and apply what you've taught us to our lives right away. Bless the ladies in this time of invitation and hear their prayers as they commit their way into you. In Jesus' name, the altar is open.